This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Here we are after the holiday season. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time at Core Brain Journal, and we are excited to have somebody post-holiday. If you think the bottom has dropped out after the holiday celebrations, we have a delightful guy here. Vernon Brown is going to talk to us about how you restructure yourself to build some happiness but in a different kind of way. This isn't Christmas happy. This isn't rah-rah. This isn't cheerleaders at a football game. This is how you actually conduct your life in a successful, thoughtful way. Vernon, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. Chuck, this is awesome being here. Thank you for the opportunity. I love the words that you said. Thank you. So here we go. So I'm going to read his bio, and then we're going to find out how he got to be the way he is. So... If everyone is looking for a magic key that will unlock their happiness, not realizing that we've been invading all our lives, we got to get some answers. We take it for granted. We get caught up in the minutia, failing to stop and smell the roses, and we forget to appreciate the things that are really, truly important to us. I believe your life, this is him talking, truly begins when you make happiness a tangible commodity that is non-negotiable. Now, hey, I agree with him, but these are his quotes. Why is your happiness important to me? Why did Vernon's asking the question? Because happiness evaded Vernon most of his young life. It wasn't until he reached adulthood that he understood the value of happiness, and that is a somewhat backwards experience. It took him some years to figure it all out. Many people experience the wonder of childhood imagination and innocence only lose it as they grow older, not Vernon. Childhood wonder and innocence was foreign to him. So now what we're going to do is we're going to hear Vernon. We're going to get the narrative of how Vernon got into the whole business in just a moment. I'm going to read a couple of sponsorship ads real quickly, and then we're going to hear directly from Vernon how he got where he is today. So first of all, Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory. With over 3 million studies, they're deep leaders of experience with a big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrol, and copper challenges. You may say, who cares? Well, I'm telling you, anybody that's into neurophysiology and brain function and treatment failure cares a great deal. And I suggest that if you don't care yourself, you doctor may be interested to go get hooked up over at dhalab.com forward slash core because it's the evidence is there. They have lessons there. They can tell you how to understand the results from the testing. Listen to the meaningful interviews on all of these specific tests at dhalab.com forward slash core over at Core Brain Journal forward slash 115. More details coming up in a moment. Core Brain Journal is also brought to you by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia. There, they provide more complete options to address the complexity of adolescent treatment failure nationally and internationally with advanced biomedical testing for that treatment failure. They are way beyond just putting somebody in a place and keeping them and just giving them medication. They're interested in comprehensive assessment 
They have a whole separate track for substance abuse, addiction, and recovery in adolescence and pre-adolescence even. We've seen them in pre-adolescence. For over 80 years, they provide residential care on an evolved family and interpersonal level. They're globally connected. They're TRICARE friendly. More detailed information over at barryrobinson.org forward slash core. That's B-A-R-R-Y robinson.org forward slash core. More in just a moment. So back to Vernon. Vernon, how did you get into all this? You said you made some big changes. Let's take that story of what happened to you and what you did with it right out here to our audience, please. How did that happen? Chuck, that is a question I get often. Um, you know, it started, you know, kind of like where you were looking at my bio. I just did not have a lot of happiness. And when I say happiness, I mean in a sense of everything's going to be okay. The worry, the concern, happiness was this concept. It wasn't real. It was like a dragon to me. You know, it was something that you read about in a book, but I never really experienced it to the level that um, I wanted it mm-hmm. or I, I needed it. And so from out of that, it took me about 20 years. I'll say 19, but I rounded up to 20. And that's mm-hmm. when things really changed for me in terms of figuring out that, you know, happiness is something that I could have. And mm-hmm. not uh, that I couldn't truly, I couldn't smile, but recognizing that things are not there to beat me or defeat me, but they're there to help me build, you know, to build me up. So you had to learn how to use your bumps along the road of life to actually take it to the next level. That's a perfect way of putting it. And I really like what you said earlier about structure. You know, my, one of the fastest ways I describe what I do is I'm an architect. I'm not an archaeologist. Finding, looking at what's wrong or what's not working doesn't change what needs to get done. And that's the same principle I applied to myself to build myself up, to build this infrastructure called my, you know, Vernon Brown and what you're happy up. And it's the same process that I do with all my clients. So you are a happiness coach. Now, tell us what a happiness coach does. It sounds a little, Vernon, honestly, it sounds a little frou-frou. I can see somebody saying <laughs> happiness coach. I mean, can I get that if I go to church? I mean, I've got a great preacher down at the Baptist church. How does that work for you? You hit one of the elements of being happy. It's a sense of community, finding that social you know, infrastructure. When happiness coaching, it's about looking at life in a different way, I guess, is a fast way to another way of saying it. It's not that people aren't happy, but don't you want to be happier? Is what you're experiencing right now, is that all there is to happiness? You can be happier. And it's one of those things where you really challenge life in such a creative way. A lot of times what people get stuck on is they look at life for what it is, not for what it could be. You look at whatever struggle you're going through and you start taking it on as your identity. It's about meeting people at the level wherever they are at and adapting your style to benefit them, to get them out of uh, whatever they're in or to pull them up to something that's even higher than where they currently are. And I know it does sound frou-frou, but it's, uh, it's not happiness, you know, just with smiling and laughing as we are right now, but it's about happiness meaning and understanding that it's the battery that powers the vehicle. Well, that's a whole different concept because so many talk about just change your mind. Just why don't you look at life in this other way? So you sound like as a coach, you have a specific way to Mm -hmm. structure it out that involves how you tune the battery and what you actually do, some specific activities that will help you actually put your arms around, embrace the difficulties that you had, and learn from them. Sounds like. Right. 
you embrace it and you dance with it. How can we have more fun with this tough time? It's so, and I'm not speaking ill of anybody, but the way that I look at things is people struggle, people suffer, people worry, people dread certain things when they don't have options, opportunities, possibilities, and solutions. It's called oops thinking. And what it does is it really challenges what's going on. When we don't have someone really coaching us and guiding us in some cases, that's when we, we kind of come flounder around in life and it stops us from getting to the next level. And for some cases, a lot of times why people might be having a tough time or could not be having more fun in life is because what has made them successful, what made them have, you know, so much fun in life or made them, you know, very successful is what they need to let go of so they can even become happier and more successful. So good. Give us an example. Take us down to the street on this because we're kind of looking at it from uh, looking out of a four, four story window. And okay. let's, let's get down in with our feet on the pavement. And how does a person actually give us an example, if you will, of somebody you've worked through who had had this or that event and then they reframed it? And then how does that actually take place in an ongoing basis? So for one of my clients, you take a person that's been in multiple relationships, relationships that have turned into marriages, four marriages, a couple children out of two children out of those marriages, and they get the sense and at the time she was struggling with the fact that she felt that there was something wrong with her. What is she doing wrong? Why is that being fair to her? And the struggle was initially for her was what's wrong with her. And when you come from something what's wrong, it's the easiest thing to do to find out what's wrong. And what we started to do then, and it took some time, it took a couple of sessions for her to realize and recognize that what she was looking for, she was finding. She didn't want to, she never spent the time looking at what she was learning, what was really going on and investigating things in a positive way. You take a, um, an executive, for example, or just someone, um, a couple of my clients who've owned their own companies, the better examples. They've worked so hard and they crushed the numbers. They've made sure that they've got all this accountability done Meanwhile, they haven't thought about what relationships they don't have. You, you can't trust anybody because you've reached a certain level of success. And it's how do you re-engage with people and still keep the self intact and kind of control some of those emotions and thoughts you might feel when you want to, you want to say, hey, look, on my way to success, however I defined it, you know, I, I might have, um, I wouldn't say forgot about you guys, but I wasn't paying as much attention to you. And I want to, I want to change that. And it's about understanding and, and coaching them around the changes. You know, it's interesting because just while you're talking, I'm riding the train with you and looking out the window, and I'm thinking of the individuals that I've talked to who really have a skill set in business, and they can understand the product. They like sell cars, for example. I mean, these these guys are sell cars. They know every doggone detail about the car down to what the windshield wipers are made out of, but they absolutely can't find the bathroom in negotiating how to go to the movies. Right. They don't know right. how to, which movie are we going to go to? And they don't know how to negotiate something that's more effervescent. It's not, it's not as real. It's, it has, it, it, you can't tag it. You can't. And the other person may have a different opinion than you do about the reality of that movie, for example, and mm -hmm. isn't as solid. And then the issue has, the person has to, start thinking about actually who they are as a person and who that person they're talking to, who they are as a person, and find some other additional realities that they can actually connect on. It's a whole different kettle of fish. Right. And you said something that's, you know, that's awesome. And you brought this up. 
communication is one of the things I really, um, I work with a lot of people on communication. I work with couples with communicating. You know, you can be a great executive, you could be a great owner, but are you communicating to your partner, significant other the same way? And sometimes people don't you know, really stop back and consider, wow, there's another way that I could communicate. Is there another way that people can understand what I'm saying versus giving orders? It's a funny thing. We all have a different definition of happiness. We all do. What makes you happy will make one of your viewers happy, will make another viewer happy. And it's about understanding what's your happy. If you're happy right now is, hey, I want to understand what's going on in life, then let's explore that. And it's just such a unique perspective that I have to take on when it works with my clients. I have to be wear a different hat depending on which client that I'm with. So I can, um, to coach them through that, to let them see through the forest, so to speak. Well, you know, a big difference that I see, and I don't do coaching, but one of the things that came to mind while you're talking is the difference that occurs between self-management and control. Self-management is a certain measure of responsibility. And I like what Jocko Wilnick talks about that extreme ownership, you know, where you're on it, you've got your own thing and you're doing, I don't know if you know, Jocko, he's got a podcast. He was a Navy SEAL training commander. One of these days I'm going to have him on this show. I'm a little too small for him right now, I think, but I'm going to do what I can to bring him on. But extreme ownership is a person taking responsibility for themselves and doing, practicing good self-management as opposed to, listen, I'm going to be happy if I can control and mm -hmm. get what I want in this situation done today. I think they're two right. different things. And my first reaction to what you just said is this. Sometimes there's a segmented um, part of society that has put their happiness as something that's on the bottom of the list. You know, more often than not, you know, it's women that put themselves at the bottom. They put their families, they put their relationships, they put their business at the bottom. And for some people, they don't really believe that they can be happy. And that's sad to say, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but it's achievable for anybody. And it's easy to, um, happiness is something that we can control, but it's not something a lot of people are aware that they can have. That's an interesting point. They're so far away from it. I recognize that it was such a thing as happiness, but it wasn't something that I could control. And happiness isn't, a, again, a further definition diving down into it. It's not that, oh, I'm going to schedule to be happy at three o'clock. But what would you like to do at this particular time that would be different from what you are currently experiencing? How can you have more fun for 15 minutes? And to get people to go be intentional about their happiness, because it's not that after one conversation, and this does happen for some of my clients, after one conversation, like, wow, my energy comes back. I feel so much better. But for some people, it's going to be the practice of being happy because we practice being frustrated. We practice arguments, but we don't practice being happy. And for some people, that's what it takes. It took me time. I had to practice it. Well, tell us a little bit about that, please. How did you have that transformational experience? Where was the, how did you get your face knocked on the pavement so that you woke up to what you needed to do? Well, 20 years, I'm not, um, I've always, you know, just starving, starving for attention, starving for food, starving to enjoy life, wanting to connect with people, being overweight, and just not having so many things it laid me out. It completely laid me out to the point that I did not want to participate in this game anymore. And so for me, how I was able to even make it through those tough times was drawing. Now, when I would draw, and even when I do draw, it put me in a different place. And I recognized, and I recognition came after I met with um, this very wise man who made me so mad. But he said that you're struggling right now in life. You're having such a tough time because what happened to you when you were a child? 
And I hear that when you're know, 20 years old, it just blew my mind. And I'm like, wow. So from that, I really started dissecting things in my life. I really questioned, is what I'm experiencing the truth or is it what someone had told me? They told me I was a stupid, fat, ugly one. They told me I would never fit in. They told me I would never be successful. And I recognized I started taking those things on. So I started challenging it. I would never be successful. Great. So let me see what happened. I would apply to college. Well, you always have debt. Let me make sure I pay for college flat out. You know, and I just started just interrogating and questioning. And I would schedule those times when I would draw because it would shut my brain off. I would schedule those more often. And the more often I started scheduling those type of events and those type of activities, I started becoming more um, unburdened with a lot of the things I've been told. And then, um, yeah, just took off from there. Now it took time. Don't get me wrong. It took time. Well, you had some, you developed some self-mastery skills yes. as opposed to not having any skills. And I think mm -hmm. skill sets a very important part of this conversation because so many people don't even know what a skill set is. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't know, like we were talking a moment ago, I was bringing up the idea of negotiation and self-management. Well, self-management is a skill set. You know, there are people that don't manage themselves well. There are some very prominent political figures who mm -hmm. do not manage themselves well. And that particular political figure comes to mind very easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, here's the flip side of that. Who taught you how to self-manage? Do you have a particular, well, just because you, it's common, that doesn't mean that everyone, it's common for everybody. A lot of people, and I've men, women, younger, or, you know, older, but it's some things are not taught to people anymore. Some people were never understood, what understood, but some people never had a teacher, so to speak, of certain self-management skills. That's true. If you don't have a teacher to say, hey, this is what love is, how do you know how to give it if you've never received it or understood how it's applied? And so it, I, I totally understand everything you're saying, uh, Chuck. I just, I, I, from experience, I've been with thousands. I know you've been with, you know, you're a fair number of, I know been with more than I have. I just know that some things are not taught anymore. Vernon, this is a very interesting conversation. I'm going to ask you a key question in just a moment because what I'm thinking about, we'll take a break here, but I'm going to ask you this question when we return because one of the thoughts that occurs to me, first of all, I'm very much enjoying speaking with you, but one of the thoughts that occurs to me is when you're talking about happiness, and we were kind of joking about this in the beginning, it can sound a little bit on the platitude side. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, hey, okay, here's fireworks and flags or whatever. But the real question that I want to ask you about is for you to help us get a good handle on some of the experiences that actually set you back and created a problem for you, even it could be with a person, could be with yourself, and then how you brought yourself back and used that effectively to grow your self-management skills. So give that some thought. I'll come back and ask that same question in just a moment after this break. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, 
remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's dhalab.com forward slash core. Well, thanks so much, Vernon, for coming on board. And I think your your whole demeanor is so delightful and refreshing. You've got a great attitude and you're an interesting guy. You're a bright guy. And yet I think what really people listen to is sort of like a good story. How does the person turn around a difficult moment? How, how does that actually take place in longevity? Could you give us some examples of that, maybe with yourself or with a client, where they experienced some pain, they reconfigured themselves based on that pain, and then okay. took it on down the road of life? That is a excellent, that's a world-class question. And, and I think the first example I want to use is myself. So growing up, when you don't have a lot, that creativity to produce a lot of, uh, to produce, it's something that, that you have to train yourself. You have to practice it. We didn't have a lot of food. So what you had to do was you had to make a dollar strip, so to speak. You had to get really creative about what you would have. And so out of that is the, you know, what I even use in my practice, it's about being creative. A lot of times when people have a necessary lack thereof of something, they tend to act like that. But when you can create with that abundance of creativity, that's what you can really show people like, wow, there is another side to this. And that's how I even pulled myself out of that. Uh, what I had was a lot of thoughts. What I had was a lot of words that were in my head and I'd heard. And that's what I used from the basis to say, all right, I have these thoughts. What can I do with them? Let me challenge them. So there's a big birth that can be done there with um, some of my clients and one that I had today, a very, very intelligent person, just like yourself. You know, very, um, I want to use the word analytical, but was very detail oriented. Now, what happens to some people in life is they start using their particular style that made them successful to start picking, they start using their style in overdrive to quote, quote, fix their life. So if you're looking at my particular client at the time, when I first met with her, she was always looking and combing through trying to find lessons in things. So for her, the big challenge was like, how can we stop looking at the um, teasing things out and how can we kind of let that hair grow, so to speak, so it can make a little afro. Yeah, and so, <laughs> but but it's it's just having fun with that. It's just looking at like, wow, I really loved how you you know you picked apart your last twenty sixteen. What would happen right now if you only could pick three things from twenty eighteen you would like to or focus on? And what that does versus having this whole litany of this is what, if and then or what about this? What about that? And you only can pick three things. It starts to get them under the practice to pull back a little bit and focus on the big picture. You know, it's so true. I think people who are bright and who tend, bright people tend to be deep and they mm-hmm. tend to be exactly, as you said a moment ago, analytic and they, and they're like, and I mean, it's sort of like a, a warped Freudian somehow looking in the past, somehow the answer is back there. You said this earlier on when we first started the conversation mm-hmm. and yet they don't see where they can go moving forward. They don't see what they have accomplished. They don't see the skills that they do have and they tend to focus on deep analytics and they want to know exactly the answer that's somehow hidden either unconsciously or pre-consciously in all the different pains that they've had instead of, okay, that's the pain now. What am I going to do about it? 
and how am right. I going to actually restructure my life? Let's get some plans together that might work. You hit it right on the head. Absolutely. That looking back is necessary. It's part of our growth at a particular age. After we turn about 30, we don't need to do that anymore. We just don't because you, it doesn't matter what happened. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. A long looking back can sometimes stop you from going forward because you won't take as big as steps. Even for my life, if I was to look at what happened to me, even when I'm in my 30s, what happened when I was in my teens, that, where would that, that would not put me in a good place. But if I could look at my life or this is what I have and let me show you what I can do with it. Because when you're looking back, that means you're not looking ahead of what resources or what uh, skills you have, what, um, who is in your life, what is in your life. And when you get people back to like the present and they can really see, oh, well, that's not true anymore. Great. Now you're starting to use the tools that are available to you. When all you have is a hammer, you treat everything like a nail. Isn't that the truth? You know, some people don't even think about I, I To me, it's been an interesting experience in my life. And I'm sure this is true for you too and, and the clients that you've worked with. But we change as individuals in the process of just having dialogue with other different people. And that change can occur in the context of a geographic change. Mm-hmm. But it can, it can change just going down the street and, you know, knocking on doors. And I'm not recommending that people do cold calling as a, as a means of recovery. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's a certain measure of cold calling that takes place when, mm-hmm. like you and I have never met before, you don't know me, I don't know you, but we started talking a little bit and we share a lot in common. And yeah, this is a very, winds up being an interesting conversation with some different options for people at different levels. And so this is just a quick, short example of what can happen when the person actually starts the conversation. It's everything you just said. And, and just to add even like a tagline on it, we need to think more. We react t- so much, but think more. And that's what comes out of conversations. You start thinking, you start hearing a different perspective. Like you even mentioned, you and I don't know one another, but we're sitting here both, you know, we're really listening, we're thinking, we're paying attention. These are things that allow us to grow and to experience and to be more. Like, I love stuff like this. I enjoy hearing different perspectives, hearing what you know. We just need to do more of it. Well, we're going to put you on the mindset page, but I'll tell you one of the people that you're going to love, I don't know if you've read Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's just what you said right there is, is, you know, the whole big picture, the complexity of that was not a reptilian remark. <laughs> that, was, that was a complex thinking remark. And, and you're thinking more deeply and more broadly about uh, your life and where you're going to go as opposed to I'm here, I'm out on a cotton farm and I can't go anywhere except mm-hmm. down to town and I buy a couple of hot dogs downtown. I got to come back to the cotton farm. And I don't really know where I am or where I'm going to go. And they could go one block past town and be in a completely different mindset. Yes, absolutely. And some people, in some cases, even a look at that frame that you just even presented, if you don't know where you are, great. Let's start from there. Where would you like to go? Because if you don't know where you are, that's actually a gift. It's like, wow, I don't know where I'm at. Where would you like to be? It could just be Hawaii. If it was Hawaii, what would the temperature be? Mm-hmm. And it gives people a chance to be more interactive with their life versus sitting there as characters in their lives. And they have someone else controlling it. You're in control. They'd be unencumbered. They'd be free. They could go. Exactly. Yeah. So when you see this, what would you say as a quick cautionary note? Now, you have a PDF that people can download at your website. Let's, yeah. let's hit that real quickly and make sure that we note that. You want to tell people where they can get that? 
So what you can do is you go to www.whatsyourhappy, and that's H-A-P-P-I, it's happy with an I, dot com slash core, C-O-R-E. And what you're going to get is a PDF. It's called Gratitude, Inspirations, Gratitude and Inspirations and Goals. Now, what that's going to be, it's a goal guide. It's a way of tracking how you can make some market, I mean, some measurable results in your 2018. It's about nine pages. It's a, I wouldn't say it's intense, but it's very detailed in the sense of this is what I want for my life. And it's literally the process I do with my clients. Fantastic. What a nice option here. Post-holiday season, new year. Why not take a, turn that light bulb on, think about where you're going to go, shine the flashlight around, find the path. Absolutely. Know. Now, as we wind down, one other quick question. What would you say would be the most common problem that a person experiences when they start to think about a coach or working with a coach from your experience of working with clients? What would be an impediment that they might think about that would be, why would a person not use a coach if they were stuck like that? What's, what's the issue? So to keep it in, in the positive, <laughs> I think the number one thing that um, hesitation I get from clients in the past is I focus on my client. I have no agenda other than my client. My goal, I have 12 sessions, three months to get my clients out of whatever they're going through or getting more of what they want. It's about working with a client where they are. It's not about putting a person in a set pattern that everybody falls into because we're not, we're, we're complex people, but it's very simple. But I would never, I'd like to make sure I differentiate each one of my clients when I work with them. It's very customized. And if you can ask any of my clients, it would all tell you different aspects of like, wow, he's really funny. Wow, he's really serious. Wow, he's very bold. Because I give them what they, what they need and not what they want in some cases. And you've got a program. I, I think it was interesting. I'm glad you shared that it was, um, you know, 12 sessions. I think that's interesting because that would be an impediment to many people. You didn't quite say this this way, but I'm just going to elaborate for our audience. A lot of people think I don't want to get in therapy because I don't want to do it for the next year. Year is too much and I'm talking to this person. If I get with them, how can I get away from them? <laughs> right. I'm not a therapist and I always want to make sure I make that distinction. And I'm not saying that you implied that. I just want to make sure I make that distinction out. Together, we are architects. We fit the, the blueprint, we get the materials and we get to making it work. And it's about the first four weeks you might be a little uh, bothered with me because I ask you the questions that other people won't ask you. And those questions sometimes might bother you. They might frustrate you. You might hang up. I've had plenty of clients hang up on me before. If we're working by distance or video chat, they eventually get back on because they recognize I need to hear this. Now, the second four weeks, you get a little frustrated or bothered with yourself because it's been right there the whole time. And it takes a little bit. You've been juggling or struggling whatever the circumstance is for all your life or for six weeks, but it's that close. I cannot believe it. And the, fourth, the third four weeks, we're managing how we can continue to do this without me being there. Because I want people to do this without, multiple times without me being around. I think it's great. That, I mean, that, and then, of course, what you're doing on the, on the fourth week is structuring a plan. You're going to have a plan. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? How are they going to get there? Yeah. And I like, I like the fact that it has a time limitation to it. It's really very... Interesting. Listen, folks, this is going to be a good guy to get hooked up with. We really appreciate you coming on board, Vernon. Thank you, Jack. And I think I that it. download is going to be a very interesting, useful thing to you. And I can see that you are a man who understands pretty links. You're a WordPress guy. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? You're right. You popped that whole vanity URL bingo right there. I thought it was very, very cool. It's good to have pretty links around because you can then create, make it happen 
drop that right. download. And it's very cool. And I uh, appreciate you doing that for, for our audience. I appreciate getting to know you up there in Richmond. We're down here in Virginia Beach. Vernon's right up there in Richmond, Virginia, folks. But, you know, when you're doing something virtual, it doesn't matter. You can be in the Ukraine. It doesn't matter. You can talk to Vernon. Right, exactly. So we do appreciate you coming on board. We thank you for taking the time. It's a great way to start the new year. And thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. And your people are awesome. Thank you, Vernon. You have a good one. You as well. Thanks for listening to Corbrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.